You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Just uh, really struck. Oh, did I turn it on? Sorry. Yes. Come on. Really struck this morning as I'm looking at the worship team. Uh, you know, we got four high schoolers in the worship team, and if you didn't know any better, just from the sound and the quality of what's going on there, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. And not only that, but also Tinder and Ben started as high schoolers in our worship team, so. I don't know, I'm, I'm just really grateful to God um, that our kids are taking advantage of the opportunity that they have uh, in our congregation. Because you know, in a huge church, it would probably be hard for anybody to break into that. Uh, in a church our size, it's just ideal. And I've always said, if you, if you ever want to learn how to lead worship, this is the place to learn how to do it. Amen? Because all you got to do is point them in the right direction and they're going. There's nobody sitting on their hands or holding back or, you know, sitting there with, you know, question about whether they want to go along. It's just like everybody comes to worship and that's what uh, worship leaders are, that's what worship leaders are uh, encouraged by. Because what happens, I'm not going to go on and on about this, but what happens in a worship service is that the worship leader points us in a direction and, and they begin to sing and they begin to worship, not just sing, but worship. And then we begin to worship. And that worship leader is encouraged to do what he's doing by the worship that's coming from the congregation. So in a kind of ironic way, you guys are leading the worship leader. You guys are leading the worship team. Just like the worship team and the worship leader. It's, a, it's just a, such a potent combination between the two of those things. And so anyway, it's just really gratifying to see our, uh, our young people um, stepping up into ministry. It's not like teen ministry. It's the real deal, right? <clears throat> and they're doing, doing the real work, so I really appreciate that. Um, I wanted to say something about um, the, uh, what was it called? Renew? Okay, so the Renew um, event uh, is going to be Passion. And most of you guys have heard their music. If you listen to KVNE or maybe on KJLY, um, K-Love, um, all of these different outlets play Passion a whole bunch. If you haven't heard them, you should, because we're singing some of the songs that they wrote and some of the songs that they did. Um, uh, they're going to be there for the Renew um, deal, um, and that's not in October. That's at the beginning of uh, April. Um, I think it's the first, it's the, the first Thursday, I think, in April, something like that. Um, and there's going to be a pastor's meeting in the morning, and then there's going to be a city-wide event 
Um, I can't, it's at Green Acres, isn't it? Yeah, it's at Green Acres. And uh, so you've been hearing a lot about this. I just really hope you guys will turn out to get, take advantage of it. There's a, there's a buzz, you know? There's a, an excitement. There's, a, um, there's just something about what God is doing in our city right now um, that I want every one of us to take full advantage of, okay? So just another little plug for that. Oh, also, you need to go to the website to, to uh, sign up to get tickets um, to um, that event. And the website is uh, cityfest.org, I think. Cityfest.org. So write that down um, in your notes. Um, so we are continuing our series uh, on our vision mission statement uh, this week, uh, T-R-A-C-K. And uh, T-R-A-C-K uh, stands for uh, Touching Lives, uh, Reaching Families, uh, Affecting Our City, Changing Our World with the Knowledge of Jesus Christ. There we go. And this week we're talking about... Reaching families. So uh, these are panels that we have that we have uh, usually used to have up on the wall. Um, so when we're all done with this, we're going to figure out what to do with them so that we can post them, just as a kind of a constant visual of uh, of who we are and what God has called us to do. This week we're talking about touching family, uh, reaching families, um, and I'm going to share a fairly short message. Um, and then you're going to hear from our children's pastor, uh, Becky uh, Burton, like you heard from uh, Doreen last week, who I like to call Darlene. Um, so uh, the key scripture for this week is uh, salvation has come to this home um, today. Do you, do you remember where that scripture comes from, where Jesus said that about? That was a guy named uh, Zacchaeus who uh, climbed a tree uh, to see the Lord, and uh, he was an outcast uh, from the uh, community, probably for good reasons, probably for reasons that any one of us would have ostracized him for, and yet when he climbed a tree just to see, he didn't, wanna, he didn't, say, didn't say anything about becoming a follower or anything like that, he just climbed a tree to see the spectacle, and Jesus unexpectedly detoured out of the parade and called his name, and called him down to himself, and that call, that personal call to that guy was enough to transform his life. And when he came down out of that tree, he was a different man than when he went up in the tree. And Jesus said to him, to his, disciple, to, to his uh, disciples, uh, to rejoice because salvation had come to this house today because he said, he is also a son of Abraham. Um, and I want to talk this morning about uh, reaching families. What I have to share is fairly, um, fairly short, um, I hope. I'm, I never underestimate my ability to be long-winded, but uh, I'm trying to keep it short this morning. Um, the gospel runs really strong in families. And one of the reasons why that is, we've talked, we talked several year, weeks ago you know, about the enemy being uh, opportunistic. He's always looking for an open door. He's always looking for an opportunity. He is just count, a counterfeit of what God does because God is always looking for an open door and he's always looking for an op opportunity. And those open doors a lot of times come when someone comes to the Lord and those relationships that are surrounding those people because the, the people that are surrounding them may not have 
any relationship with the Lord or really any interest in the Lord. And yet when this person comes to the Lord and their life is transformed, sometimes gradually but sometimes dramatically, these people are the witnesses to that and they're like, hey, what is going on? And those closest relationships are family relationships. And that's why we say we're touching lives, but we're reaching families. Because we recognize the fact that every life is connected to other lives. And every person that comes to the Lord is connected to other people who need the Lord. And that we take that into consideration. We take that, into, we take that seriously here. You guys have loved my family, and you don't even know my family, really. You guys have reached out to my family, and they have such a positive um, view and image of this place. And the only way that they know that is because you love me and because I love you. And so when you're around them, it's almost like you already got a connection there. And that connection is not just a physical or a blood connection. That connection is a spiritual connection because that's Jesus reaching out to them and, and, uh, and inviting them you know, closer in uh, to him. Um, after we first got saved, well, I'll tell you a little bit about when we got saved. Becky and I were both raised in the Catholic Church. I don't know if you know it or not, but it's a big deal when somebody leaves Catholicism um, for most, most uh, families. It's not a big deal when somebody stops going to church or stops being an active Catholic as much as it is when they actually leave and go to another you know, faith or another uh, denomination or what they consider another religion. Um, so we were out at Becky's house visiting, and uh, Becky told uh, her dad um, that we were we were going to start coming to TCF. We had, we had been being fed here for a year. Uh, we had close relationships here. We had a Friday night Bible study that met that was all flowing out of the, the, uh, the, the flow that comes from, from this house. Um, and he got mad, man. And it was, I could hear it going on. It was in another part of the house. And he just started going at her. And he was just like, um, I can't believe you're leaving the faith of your fathers. And so I went and got involved in it. It's, not always a wise thing to get involved in family stuff, but this was spiritual, and this was my wife. And, uh, and I told him, listen, man, we would love to talk about this, but I'm, we're not going to fight about it. If, if you want to talk about it, we'll talk. We'll sit down at the table, and we'll talk. If you've got you know, questions for us, or if you have you know, some things that you just don't understand, um, we, would be, we would love to talk to you about it, but we're not going to fight. And he said, no, I do. I have questions. And so we sat down at his, at his table, and he began to ask us things, and we began to tell him things, things that were different about the body of Christ and the experience that we had had in the Catholic Church. Now, make no mistake about it. I'm not saying that all Catholics you know, are, you know, are off or wrong or, or any of that. I'm just saying it was a system that didn't work for us, and there were reasons that that system didn't work for us. And we explained these things to him. And about halfway through the conversation, he started saying, yeah, and here's another thing that I don't understand or don't like, you know, about it. But at the end of that conversation, he said, I was born a Catholic. I'll die a Catholic. I'll never leave the Catholic Church. And I had a vision, a dream or a vision during that time of a big rock in the middle of a stream that was sitting on the top of a bunch of other smaller rocks in the stream. And when that stream began to flow really fast, those little rocks came out from under it, and that big rock began to totter. 
And soon one rock came out that just was the one that made the difference. And that big rock went rolling down the stream as well. That's a spiritual picture of what happened with her family. Because the same guy that said, I was born a Catholic, I'll die a Catholic, I'll never leave the Catholic Church. First, one of his daughters left that, went into the flow and started following the Lord. Another one did. Two more did. She, she had a bunch of sisters. Two more did. Another one did. And then his wife began to totter. And before you know it, he was worshiping here. He's not here today. He's moved on to another congregation. But the same guy that made that profession. And a lot of times that's the way it is. Whenever you say, I'll never, God says, well, we'll see. Let's, let's see about that, right? <clears throat> My point is, is that faith moves in families in a very powerful way. And I want to give you four examples of um, biblical examples of faith moving in fam- uh, families. First of all is the story of Ruth. And uh, I'm reading through the Bible in a year. I've told you that over and over again. Get used to it, man. I repeat myself, okay? Especially if I think it's good stuff. Um, the... Uh, Let that sit for a second. <laughs> I love this when I did it, but I can see how it might not be ideal. Um, so the first one is Ruth. Ruth is um, just such a wonderful book, especially after you just came out of the book of Judges, I think, J- J- Joshua Judges Ruth. So um, it's, it's such a wonderful book because it's such, a, such an awesome example of God's sovereign move in people's lives and it's all based on trust and faith and love. And it begins with the story of a terribly broken family. There are a mom and a dad and two sons and their wives. They, the, two sons, they move to Moab. The boys marry um, uh, Moab, Moabite women. And then the, bo- bo- the father dies, I think, first. And then the boys each die. And so there's this mother, Jewish mother, uh, named um, Naomi. Um, and, and her two daughters-in-law. And these, this is a picture of destitution. In this day and time, there was no uh, social safety net, there was no welfare system, um, no social security system. These women were in a position where they would have had a difficult time earning a living and probably a difficult time finding someone who would take them in and take care of them. Since their husbands were all dead, their means of support were gone. And uh, it just adds, you know, fear and, and worry and stress to grief. So they're at a terrible place here. And one of the daughters-in-laws, and with tears, man, because she really loved Naomi, she wept on her neck and she said, I'm going to go back, back home. But the other one, the other one said, I will not leave you. She said, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will, I will die and be buried there. Your God shall be my God and your people shall be my people. Now let me just back up a little bit from that because God um, always took into consideration the foreigner. Like he was not just satisfied for Israel itself to be prosperous and, and well taken care of and all of that. But he wanted all the people, foreigners, that came through and lived in and in the midst of Israel to, um, uh, to also be well taken care of and well provided for. 
So, so God, God is in favor of that, and that's a, it's, a, it's a system that didn't exist in probably any other country, um, uh, or some, one of those surrounding countries at that time. Further, to be Jewish is, is a racial thing, right? It's the Jewish race. It's not just the Jewish faith, but it's the Jewish race. And again, um, in, uh, in Nazi Germany, like you would think, well, if somebody's Jewish, why don't they just convert to um, Christianity? No, you can't convert to another race. You see, that's the race that you are. You could make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, but these people regarded it as being a racial thing, that that's the race that you belong to. So even if you converted, they didn't recognize that. So Jew, Judaism is a race, but it's also a faith. And God made a provision for foreigners to convert to Judaism. And that is what, that is what Ruth is doing when she says that. She is converting to Judaism. She is becoming a Jew. Maybe not racially, but in the most important way that God is looking for spiritually, from the inside. He's always looking for those that are a Jew, not just because they call themselves a Jew or because they were born Jewish, but because the Jew is a Jew that's a Jew in his heart, that is living for the living God. And that's what, that's what Ruth is doing there. She joins herself and see her connection her salvation came through that family connection. She was in a family that was terribly, terribly devastated by the events that had happened and what happened as a result of that. God drew her to himself and put her in the line of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She, was, she is in the Messiah's line, even though she's from uh, Moab. And we've talked about that um, in detail before. The second uh, example is the Samaritan woman, and this is just a passing reference, but you remember when um, she begins to respond to Jesus, what Jesus says to her? He tells her to go and do something. Do you remember? Huh? Okay, he asks her for water, and, and then as it, as it goes on, he says, go, go and get your husband. Now listen, I understand in the context of that story that Jesus was putting his finger on the sore spot. That's what he was doing. He was pushing her buttons, but he was pushing her buttons for a reason, because he wanted her to know that he really knew her. But look, when she came, if she really was responding to the Lord, that's the first and primary relationship that God is going to point us to. When a husband comes to Jesus Christ, his unbelieving wife, the Bible says, is drawn to uh, Jesus Christ because of his faith and because of his nature, that his very nature changes. You see? So Jesus is telling her that. I'm just using that as an example of the fact that Jesus recognizes those family connections. The next one is the Philippian jailer. Um, you, and you remember what happens with the Philippian jailer? Like uh, Paul and Silas are, are in prison. Um, they're singing praises at midnight, probably because they hurt too much to sleep and just decided we, if we're going to be up, we might as well be praising the Lord. And at midnight, there was a great earthquake that shook the jail, broke open all of the, um, the cells, and the jailer is there, and he sees you know, what has happened, and he realizes you know, he's a dead man because his, his life depends on him doing a good job. If any of those prisoners escape, he will be put to death as a result of that, as an example to others of how serious this, this job was. And so when he sees that happen, then he takes out his sword and he's about to kill himself. And Paul cries out to him and he says, we're all here. 
So like the, the earthquake is a miracle. The fact that the doors of the prison were open uh, and that none of the prisoners escaped is probably even a greater miracle. They were all captivated by what was going on, I'm sure, and probably afraid to move. And this jailer thought he was dead, and Paul said words to him that comforted him. He said, um, believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your household will be saved. And they went that night and they dressed their wounds and the whole family was baptized. And it's just an example of how families are connected and how faith runs in families. And not just faith, but salvation. Salvation. We are big on bringing people to the Lord, and that's because that's what Jesus said we are all about. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be engaging the culture. We're supposed to be sticky. We're supposed to be attractive. Not physically necessarily, but the real attraction. The thing that shows that somebody has confidence and peace and grace and compassion on other people. Man, those are the things that draw. Not just words of, of argument to try to feel, uh, scare somebody into the kingdom or shame somebody into the kingdom or something like that. It's the, it's the drawing that comes from the work of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives. We're big on that. God wants us to be effective in that. And so at TCF, if someone comes and joins the church, we're very concerned about whether they have kids, whether they have parents, whether they have a family that's connected to them. Um, I don't want to put her on the spot, but Bethany uh, Beats is a good example of this. And um, she, I don't know, she didn't bring salvation to her family, okay? But she started coming as a young adult. She started coming, and she was just faithful, man. She was like every Sunday she was here. And I know she was talking to her mom uh, and her family about TCF, and they didn't live here. But whenever they were here, whenever they had the opportunity, they came. And the same stream that was refreshing her and, 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 uh, uh, and supplying uh, spiritual strength for her supplied strength for them. And now they're here today. So awesome to have them all with us uh, and her fiancé and uh, her brother. And uh, it's just so awesome to be able to see that because that's the way it should work. When people look in your life and they see a difference... They should be able to attribute that not just to the Lord, but also to the people that you're in community with. Let me, let me say it again, okay? Because I'm, like, like, I'm not like you know, blowing our horn or something like that. I'm just being realistic. When people look at your life and they see a transformation, they see something different. Maybe they see that you're not as, you know, as hard to get along with as you once were. And maybe not as selfish as you once were. And when they see that fruit in your life, they don't just, we don't want them to just attribute that to Jesus himself, even though that's the primary and most important thing, but also to the community that you're a part of. Let me say that again. And don't say amen if you don't agree with me, but maybe you're just listening to me and not realizing that I desperately need feedback. Um, when people that are close to you see the transformation that happens in your heart, they shouldn't just attribute that to Jesus Christ, to, to like, oh, the, you know, they, they became a Christian or something like that. That is the primary thing. That is the most important thing. But there is a secondary thing of belonging, of, of a place where you are nurtured and encouraged and belong and are fed and have your identity in. 
They should have associated not just to the sovereign work of the Lord in your heart, but the community work of a community of faith, a family of faith in your life. All right, we can move on. All right, and then the last one is a reference in Timothy. When uh, Paul is addressing Timothy, he's writing his letter to Timothy. And Timothy, I, I may be reading this into it, I'm not sure, but it seems that Timothy is a little bit sort of timid in his, in his, um, in his approach to things and his abro- approach um, to life. And Paul is writing him just this, boy, just this, he must have got this from uh, Barnabas, you know, son of encouragement. Because that must have been his influence on Paul, because Paul's not always this way, you know. I mean, Paul can be kind of hard-edged, but he's writing to Timothy. He's telling Timothy, man, you need to know who you are. And you need to stir up that gift that is within you by the spiritual impartation of the elders. That people have prayed for you and they have, they have spoken words over you. And that's not just people doing that. That's the Lord doing that. You need to know who you are. You need to stir up the gift within you. In another place he says, um, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. Don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth. You know, the, um, the story of Naaman, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I get wound up. Uh, don't let anybody disturb you because of you. I got something to say on that, but I'm not going to say it right now, and it's really good. And uh, Just right there. I'm, I'm not, because we've got other stuff to get to. Um, so anyway, that's my point this morning. That's why families are so important, that when somebody comes to the Lord, they're connected to other people. And that's, this should be an door, uh, open door to people. This should be a place where people are proud, proud, yeah, in the right way, um, enthusiastic about bringing people to say, come see some people that have loved me and have you know, welcomed me and have challenged me and have helped me to grow closer to the Lord. Come see a place, not just that we love Jesus, but that Jesus just visibly loves us and he shows it every day. So uh, I want to do a brief interview with um, Becky Burton. Give her a good welcome as she comes this morning. She is our um, children's pastor, and uh, so I'm just going to ask her a few questions and, and let her um, answer. Oh, I'm sorry. Use the wireless one. There you go. Okay, so um, just to make sure it's working. Hello. Uh, there you Morning. go. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what, how God prepared you um, to do the work that you're doing today. Uh, well, the short answer to that question is that God called Jessica Allen, our other former youth children's pastor, to Gilmer. And I was serving in kids and had four kids in the kids' area, and so I was, there it was. Um, the, the long answer to that really goes back to family, like we are talking about this morning. And it just kind of hit me, you know, my granny and papa, my, pa- my mom's parents, um, they ran a rescue mission for um, addicts, and my granny would go around in a bus around neighborhoods to the poorest neighborhoods, and this was separate from the rescue mission even, and she'd have all the kids in the neighborhood come on the bus and do Bible clubs with them. And then my mom, you know, growing up, I saw her working with kids the whole time I was a kid, you know, just really loving and leading kids in the church. And so as soon as I was old enough to help with that, I was helping her. Um, and I feel like it's this legacy that was passed down. God put this passion in my heart watching my mom doing, doing that. Um, and so then getting older, um, you know, as a college student and after that, God just kind of put me in a lot of different situations. Um, 
mentoring, subbing, teaching. Um, I lived in a government housing area and ran a kids mentoring program there for a while. And I feel like he took us overseas. I mean, it's just like everywhere, but it always involved kids, you know. Okay. And so just putting that passion and then now I have another place to use that. Um, so why do you think it's important uh, that our mission statement specifically says uh, reaching families? Okay. Um, so I think for TCS, if, if you just look around here, um, family is huge. Not just that we are a family, but our body is made up of families and not just like single generation families, but multiple generation families. I think I've been here over a year and I was still figuring out all the connections between everyone here, right? Like, oh, well, this person's that person's aunt and this one's that one's grandpa. And it's, but it's beautiful because it's this legacy of this heritage that's been passed down. And you see children that were raised in this church who are now leading this church. Amen. And that testifies to God's faithfulness and to the impact of families discipling their children and leading them. Um, and the Lord, so I think that's unique to this church, but I also think that's God's heart in general. Um, his heart is for families. He relates to himself, right, as father and son. He relates to us as a father and us as his children. He calls us to relate to one another that way. You know, he says, love them like a mother with her child or like a father, you know, and so he's always using that. He's how he's, it's kind of the foundation of society. It's the foundation of all relationships is family. So when we say TCF is reaching families, uh, we're doing what's in God's heart, the way that he's kind of formed everything. That's good. Um, yeah. Um, so as a children's pastor um, here, what's your greatest desire um, to impart or to see um, develop in our children? I'm going to read you our mission statement and come from that. So our, our whole children's ministry team, you know, has come up with this, even before me, um, but our, our heart is to assist families, so it's coming out of the family, it's not just here at church, assist families in educating, equipping, and encouraging their children to influence the world for Christ, and, and my heart in that is I want all of our kids here to have real, growing, active relationships with Jesus that's grounded in his love, and that then they're loving others through that. Um, and really, I want to see all of them surpass us, right? I want my kids to grow up, to right. surpass me, go deeper than I've ever gone with the Lord, right. to serve harder, to love better, to know him more. Um, so I just pray for all of our kids that they could just go further than we've ever gone because um, they're the next, they're the ones carrying the torch on. Yeah, because like if, if, if our goal is for our kids to be like us, then nobody ever exceeds a goal. They're just going to come up to that goal. Our goal is for our kids, you know, to surpass us in every way. And they really need to because the, the world that they're growing up in um, is growing more and more challenging um, to be genuine in your faith and to be genuine in your outreach and sharing the gospel. They're facing challenges that we never, never face. So exceeding us is, is uh, vital. Um, can you give us some examples of how each one of those um, looks in our children's ministry? Um, we want to educate, we want to help families educate their kids. We've got Sunday school, we've got children's church, um, you know, that's doing that. It's doing that teaching part, right? You've got to know what your faith is. You've got to know what you believe. Um, but that's not enough. Then you have to do something with it. So there's the equipping and the encouraging, which I think this being a place where God's spirit is alive and where each family is following him, that's where they're going to get that equipping. You know, they, we could teach them all day long, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't move in their lives, 
it's not going to change. They're not going to be able to influence the world for Christ. So just making this a place where families really do love the Lord and are together following after him, and then where they have the opportunity to serve. One of the first things I noticed about TCF, you know, when we, involved, when we visited, I think the first week, the girls' dance group was up here dancing. And I saw, hey, they let, they let their youth be involved, and I love that. And, you know, we have every Sunday, there's as many teens back there serving with the kids as there are adults. And we've got teens up here on stage who are leading in worship. And so we're training them up and giving them a place as children, as teenagers, to practice that before we send them out in the world. So, Do you yes. need that? Nah. It's just our, our mission statement, our goals. Okay, so that's, is that two of them? I think I covered them all somewhere in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so um, how, how can uh, people, because this is not just, you know, information. This is also, we're, you know, we're inviting people in TCF um, to take a step closer in to serving the Lord um, and to make this a part of their lives. Our mission statement is our individual mission statement as well, or part of our individual mission statement as well. So how can people become involved um, in children? Well, you know, let me ask you one more question before that. How does, this, um, how does this affect people outside of these walls? How does our children's ministry affect people outside of these walls? Um, well, every person's part of a family, right? That's what Joe was talking about earlier. And so um, I think... As, as we're going out, whether it's in your workplace and you're connected to adults who have children or it's your children and they're in school and they have children, I mean, what's the most important thing in almost every family? It's their kids. You know, as a mother, you know, apart from Jesus and my husband, it's my kids. And so I think in not just reaching children, but in reaching our community and reaching their families, we've got to have a place that's safe for them, that's fun for them, and where they can experience Jesus where they are, you know. And, and he says that's how we should all experience them as children, right? Let the kingdom belong to such as these so that we want this to be a place where, um, where that happens. And I think as we do that, then that affects their families and their families affect the community. Uh, and so it's not just about kids coming and playing games. You know, this is about their lives being transformed and their families, and that goes a lot further. Yeah, than good. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Becky's doing a long-term subbing job at Clarkston uh, this week, and uh, she got a flyer on her desk, and so she was reading this flyer, and uh, at the bottom of it said, Tyler Christian Fellowship. She's like, that's my church. <laughs> so Becky has been doing a great job. I was talking about my Becky is a subbing teacher. and Too many Beckys. No, too many Beckys. And uh, Becky Burton had gone to the, um, to the uh, administration, the proper channels, and ask if she could handle, hand this stuff out. I don't know if we've ever publicized um, an event for TCF. Um, so, you know, great job. That's, that's really, a, really a good job that you did um, doing that. Um, so the last question is, um, so how can people get uh, involved in this and make this a part of their um, participation at Tyler Christian Fellowship? Um, well, I think not just children's ministry because Reaching families is part of what we all do. Um, small groups, I think, are a great place that you can connect with families. Um, like the Johnsons right now have a lot going with their family where God's using them to reach kids who have lost family. You know, and they, but they need people around them to help them in that. And who are those primary people? It's going to be their small group. You know? And if, if you're single and you um, are a student or you're older and you're single, 
um, I think a small group where you can really come alongside families and support them. I remember being at that stage in my life, and there was nothing that mattered more to me than being in somebody's home. And I got to play with their kids. I got to help them with dishes. I got to do whatever. And at the same time, I was seeing how do families relate to one another. I was being taught before I was ever even in that stage. So, you know, if you're younger and you don't have your own maybe you've been launched from your family, but you don't have your own family, plug in at small groups and adopt people as your family, you know. So we can do, I think small groups are one of the core places that family happens. Um, I think our, our recharge ministry, um, connecting with that, because that's impacting families all over our community and not just their family, but these kids who have lost families. So, and I, they need help every other month when they, they always need hands to help come love on kids and families. So if, if you can commit to doing that, um, reach out to Jay. That's a great place to be able to impact families. Um, More information on that on our website. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, Sunday mornings. I mean, every Sunday we've got Sunday school classes and children's church classes. And if you look around, about 50% of our church is kids. So that's hard to staff when you've got that many kids, honestly. So if you're not plugged in and serving back with children, it doesn't have to be your most favorite thing, the thing you're very best at. We can find a way to use anyone's gifts um, back there. Um, and we always need help. So I think just being willing to say, I'll do it, you know. I, maybe I, don't, I may not feel like I'm prepared or I may not feel like it's the thing I'm very best at, but I'm just willing to be a body and to say, God, use me. And when you do that, when you say, God, use me, he does. So that's a place I tell, tell you every week, we, I can use you. Somebody can use you back with the children. So if that's something you're interested in, there's just another way. Just volunteer and say, plug just me say, in where you need yes. me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. Thanks, Becky. Let's give her a good round of applause. Good job. Do you, do you do very much public speaking, Becky? <laughs> well, you did a great job today. This is not easy just to jump up here and you know, talk to even a bunch of really friendly and loving people, so you did a great job. So in short, um, as we close, um, you can come, David. Um, one of the things that you can chart uh, in our society that's uh, like hard numbers um, is the disintegration of the family, the disintegration of uh, two-parent um, um, households, um, the disintegration of uh, children that have no parents. Um, that number is growing. The number of two-parent households um, is decreasing. Uh, many of the people in our congregation have experienced the brokenness um, that comes. And anytime you see a family that's been through divorce, uh, abandonment, um, uh, uh, you know, a loss of uh, parents. It just means that there's been a, an extreme trauma that's made that happen. And the church, I believe, is the answer to that. And I'm, I know that we have all found healing here. And I know that we have all found a place to belong here. I have found my identity here more than I have in my biological family. And I love my biological family. I believe that the church is the answer for many of the broken things that are going on in our society um, today. And the way that we are, are the answer to that is by getting out of our comfort zone and expanding our family to include other people, friends, neighbors, people that we work with, strangers that we don't even know, and just be willing to stretch out a little bit and invite people in uh, to our lives, um, to the hope that is within us. Let's stand together. We're going to worship for a minute, and then I'll pray for you, and you can be dismissed.
Let the whole world sing. For the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. There we're singing for the glory of the risen King. Come on, let's declare it this morning. Hallelujah. Shine your light and let the whole world sing. And we're, we're singing for the glory of the risen King. Oh, Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. And I'll sing with arms high. family needs prayer this morning, will you just raise your hand? And we want to lift, lift up the uh, Beesons, uh, who uh, Kirk just lost his mother uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, and anybody else that you're struggling in your family or your family needs uh, Jesus, um, and let's just all pray together uh, for these precious ones, these ones that are so dear to us. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are in your family we are part of your family that you adopted us in that you you made us a place at the table um, and not just to to observe but to fully participate uh, in the family of god that we are brothers and sisters and we are children's of our abba father thank you for that lord thank you that that's your heart and you're so warm and welcoming and inclusive we thank you lord that we are a part of that and Lord, right now we want to lift up our families to you. Whatever the need is, some of them are really, really pressing needs. Some of them are long-standing needs that have never been addressed and never been resolved. And God, we believe that you are the answer to everything that ails us and everything that ails our families. And we cry out to you, Lord, on behalf of those that we love, those that we belong uh, with, those that we um, are so deeply connected to and we lift them up to you Lord and we pray uh, God for a blessing we pray for healing we pray for your promise Lord Jesus um, uh, in, in your covenant love uh, Lord to come and Lord mostly we pray that you would use us in our families some of us may be the only ones in our families that profess the name of Jesus Christ and some of us may be set in the middle of families uh, that profess the name Lord and are troubled 
God, I pray that you would use us, that we would be the visible, uh, tangible presence of God, that we would have, Lord Jesus, ready words, Lord Jesus, that come from the throne of grace uh, to, to encourage our families, God. In Jesus' name, use us, Lord Jesus. And Father, finally, we pray for all of those that you add to this body, Lord Jesus, that we would be a blessing not just to them, but to their families, uh, Lord, to their little ones, to their parents, and to their older um, relatives, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed this morning.